Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night Outside Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Toronto Hero. Marler, got some, some tough news. I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin your life. It's good news in the SEC, but for us, our our locks of the week streak died a very, very painful death on Saturday. Do you know why, and Connor? We heard about it. I jinxed it. I know I jinxed it. You did. It. I did. And so I did. just so you guys know, I like I'm not I, we joke around about the office a lot. I am I am superstitious. I'm not a little stitious. I'm yeah. superstitious. So when Connor said last week after we were 8 and 0, 8 and 0, Connor. I was so excited. I wanted to brag on us a little bit. We don't we don't well, I mean I brag on myself a lot. We don't brag on our, ourselves as much as we should. And we were 8 and 0 and your first thing out of your mouth was water finds its level. You know, it wasn't just that that I think really jinxed it, although that didn't hurt. It was the fact that I actually wrote a column saying that Michigan State Northwestern spread was just baffling, yeah. which I knew. I knew the second the second I started writing that, I'm like, everything I wrote, I'm writing in here is just going to make me look like an idiot in three days. And well, sure when, enough, that's when I when I we lost all three of them, and I was so pissed, I started to write Connor a text in our little group football season thread, and I said. I was gonna. I was literally saying, Connor, if you ever say water finds its level again, and as I'm typing it, Connor texts back. He goes, "Water has definitely found its level." And I was like, "Mother of God!" <laughs> All right, so that's that's on me. I, I apologize. We've got a lot to get to though. Yeah. Um, while it wasn't the best week for us, there were some huge, huge matchups in the SEC that went the way of top ten teams. Obviously, we're going to talk Notre Dame, Georgia. We're going to talk about what Auburn went to College Station and did. Kind of been a little bit of an overlooked thing. To be fair, we both day. picked that. There were four That's point true. That we is, both had that. That is true. Water didn't find its level completely. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> we, we want to talk a little bit about Kyle Trask and his first start at Florida. We're, we're going to hit on every single game. We've even got a little, little Ed Talks. Yeah. A little Ed Talks later on. Um, and, believe it or not, we're going to talk a tiny bit, a tiny bit of UCF, and then we're probably not going to talk UCF oh, for a long God. time. But I promise it won't be too much, and I'll ask some interesting questions related to it that won't make you want to pull your hair out. And do. we're going to guess we're going to guess some Week 5 lines as well. But before we do all of that, Marler, you had a little bit of like a of a, of a word vomit that scared me. It was You misspoke before we came on. You're like, I've been, I was really disappointed by Texas Pete. And then I was like, wait a minute, what What did you yeah. just say? And then you're like, oh, no, no, no. I was looking at the ad, and I didn't mean to say I meant Kirby Texas Smart. Um, yeah. Guys, I'll be honest with you, and this is, I, I am struggling today. And it's not because Uncle Chris had too much to drink last night. It's because Uncle Chris, he, I, I, would, I don't want to say relapse is the, is the right word, but I had some Texas Pete yesterday, and I am paying for it today because I'm not supposed to have the sweet nectar. It was too good to pass up. We had some ribs. We had some chicken. It was Ooh. so good. It was so good. Against Doctor's Order, I went with it anyway. And let me tell you why, Connor. Because nothing goes together quite like me yelling at you via text or yelling at my TV screen. Uh, quite like college football in Texas Pete. It's the best. We, we went up to my, my buddy's house. We had a massive cookout. We had ribs and chicken and, and all sorts of fun stuff. And there was Texas Pete on earthing. Buffalo chicken dip? Yup. Grilled chicken, yep. These ribs and a big green egg. Fun fact mm. about ribs, you have to wait till they're done cooking before you eat them. This is factually correct. Yeah. People forget that. You can't just be pulling pork off the off the old smoker thinking everything's going to nope. be okay. But 
Guys, I know a lot of you. I know a lot of you heard about this fad that happened this summer, hot girl summer. Y'all, summer's over. There's a there's a crisp little tinge of of coolness in the air, which means hot girl summer is over. Hot grill fall is in full effect. Okay, Ooh, that's good. I want to see these pics. Send me a Pete pic. Uh, I don't care how that sounds. It's not dirty. I, I send me pictures of your your favorite tailgating recipes, your favorite tailgating moments when you're just out there chilling before a big game. We've had a couple of you guys send them in so far. It's it's helped me live vicariously um, through you guys while I'm on the mend. Uh, and in, you know, in the meantime, make sure you are hashtagging all of your picks with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. So we appreciate it. Love me some Texas Pete. Love me some Texas Pete. We're going to talk a little tailgating stuff, and it might mean too much later. Yeah. Some tailgating stuff from the Notre Dame-Georgia game. Oh. Let's start right there. It was the game that was much anticipated, one of the games of the year in college football, and did not follow the script that we thought it would. And that was one of the locks of the week that did not prove to... Yeah. to I, didn't, I didn't want to text you about it because we had been, te- we'd having, we'd been having a rough enough day. Yeah. I, didn't want to, I didn't want to jaw, and I knew there were going to be a couple people on social media that said, oh... You, Georgia didn't cover seven and a half, and or you bought it down to six and a half in the no, first. No seven. In the, okay, seven. seven. It got up seven to ten. In the first half. Go figure. Georgia is trailing in the first half in this game, but is able to rally back. She had a such a dominant third quarter and really did a lot of things well to come back and and win that game. Did not cover the two touchdown spread. Um, that Notre yeah, thanks Dame, a lot, Kirby. Yeah. Yeah, so that decision on fourth and one, That's where Georgia's unreal. up twenty-three to, to ten, I think Georgia fans watching that, that was a trying moment in that in that sequence because, or they were up they were up twenty to ten. I miss I misspoke. My fault. My fault. So they're up twenty to ten in that moment on fourth and one. I think they were on what like the thirty yard line or something like they're that. They're on the thirty yard line. They were given a first down. All they had to do is go up to the feet, go up to the line of scrimmage and snap the damn football. Because I'm, I'm going to get so pissed about this. Because this is, this is the kind of, this is the kind of <sighs> crap. This is the kind of crap. Are you proud there of me? You there you go. Yeah. This is the kind of crap where you like you. I come from a different mentality of when I watch my football team, and I'm not saying that to be arrogant. But when, when somebody said, "Well, we actually have faith in our kicker," it was Justin Laws, and I love the dude. Great guy, pretty insightful about all the stuff Georgia-related and college football-related. But when he said that, and I know he meant it kind of tongue-in-cheek, I come from a different mentality. You don't kick a field goal if you're up by two scores to be up, ready for this, two scores. Two scores. Yeah, yeah. put your foot on their throat and bury them and win a, win a football game. That's it. You're the best offensive line in the country. You're the best offensive line in the country. Right. You are gashing them the entire. They are on their heels. The only way they've stopped you in the entire second half is by faking injuries, and we'll talk about that too. But like, <laughs> bottom line is you you get a gift that uh, that that ref last night had so much face time. He he was the worst. I, I I grew to hate him. But like, yeah, go to the line, snap the football, and win a ball game. There are two schools of thought with that whole sequence. One of which is the gambling side, and let's be honest. I mean, that was part that of was it. Part is, of yeah, why. part of it is what yeah. pisses me off. But also, it's because <laughs> it's because Kirby Kirby is still making these mistakes that I feel like are coming back to haunt him. Yeah, and that's that is to me. I think what what Georgia fans had to fear, especially as Notre Dame went down the field and scored that touchdown right after, where it just kind of killed Georgia's momentum, and then you know Notre Dame decides instead of onside kicking they're going to kick it deep they're going to trust their defense and then sure enough they get a chance to actually win the game at the end but georgia's defense stood tall well, and real I- quick though i'm sorry but real quick 
this being said, I get the fact that, like, okay, Georgia or Notre Dame would have had to attempt a 55 yard field goal, right? And noted so, like, there's some people like, well, like, that's what made them that they had to score a touchdown. So it was a good move by Kirby. One, is there any person that's a Georgia fan in this country who thinks it, in that moment, your your team, the wall of Athens that Sam Pittman has built, that they're not going to get one yard? The answer is no, if you're being honest with yourself. And then two, I, now I've lost my train of thought. Damn it. Go ahead. Oh, that's no. Why. There's no person, there's no team you would want to not, you'd want to be in that position with less than Notre Dame. And I'm sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. No, I, and I, I think that the Georgia fans in that moment were thinking, when they see Notre Dame go down and score, they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to happen again. This is going to be more heartbreak, and it's going to be it's going to be kind of a classic Georgia." And people are going to nationally are going to say, "Oh, Georgia just Georgia," and we're all going to point back to this fourth and one, and it's going to be a little bit reminiscent of the fake punt fourth and eleven in the SEC championship last year. Right? Georgia fans had to be going down that path. Having said all that, and I'm going to say something nice about Georgia here. That was a very unique win for what we've seen in this now three-year yep. run in the Kirby Smart era because here's why. The last time that Georgia, which had come into this game, 29 regular season games they had played coming into this, and one of them, one of them, they trailed at halftime and won that game. Oh, that's good. That last, the last time they did that was 2017 against Notre Dame. Right. That game, I thought, set the stage for that team and their mindset that they had, especially in that Oklahoma game in the Rose Bowl, where they, when they got into close situations, you know, they they were they were a different team. And I thought that this is it's easy to forget with Georgia that their opportunities to play in these close nail biter games have actually not been that plentiful during the Kirby Smart era. They've lost some ugly games in which they just haven't had it. The Auburn game in 2017, they just got blown off the, yeah. off the field. The LSU game last year where they just were not on the same level that LSU was, I didn't think they had really much of a chance in that one, especially down the stretch right. when LSU pulled away. So if you're looking at this from a standpoint of how what did our team need to do to get better, there could be, dare I say, some more, some better long-term implications with a game like this as opposed to Georgia just coming out and winning this game by 30 and not looking like it has any issues whatsoever. Right. And it, you know, it had to really figure things out. And I talked about this before of like, I want to see in, the, in those tight moments when it's a one-possession game, how Jake Fromm is going to find these receivers in that big third-down play yeah. where he finds Lawrence Cager and he finds him in the end zone. He gets a, and he gets the foot down and it's a perfect back shoulder throw. Jake Fromm doing what he does best. Those are the moments that are going to make this team into a national title contender, and not necessarily just oh we're going to blow away a Notre Dame team that nobody thought that was going to stay on the field right. anyway with us. I think this. So that's that's my positive spin for yeah. Georgia fans who watched this game and thought, well, geez, why weren't we able to do this this and this? I actually think that this could have some real long term benefits for this team. Okay, and that's I mean that's all well and good, and, and I'm not trying to be negative Nancy here, but this is this is what I, I want to point out, and, and and I will say this with Notre Dame, and this is something I thought about a lot this weekend, and I'm part of the problem. I don't want to say you're part of the problems. I don't want to speak for you, but like the media in general, college football has become such a year-round thing because people want to consume it in the off season, and we we have to find content to come up with. So it's become such a narr- not a narrative driven necessarily, but there's so much that happens in a in an off season that we think we know how each team is. Yep. Case in point, like everyone thought Notre Dame was going to get blown out from from our staff. I I and to be fair, I watched that whole Louisville game. Like, I, I, I was not impressed with what I saw from Notre Dame. And everything that I saw on paper from Georgia, why would I think that Georgia was not going to run the ball down their throats from start to finish? 
121 against the run was Notre Dame coming into this game. Right, yep. exactly. It was like 221 yards a game, and Georgia was averaging 226. So while they were giving up, I believe, six yards per carry and or something crazy like that. It's over five, I know that. But anyway, so why would I not think that? That being said, it, it, there are things that happen in an offseason that we do build up at certain teams, and we think, you know, we think that this Georgia team is elite. Like we thought last year Bama was the best team of all time, and then they get they get housed by by Clemson. Yep. So I think there's something to be said for that and letting stuff play out. Now I tried to bring this up last week to a lot of Georgia fans, honestly, that just my personal friends, that and other people that were telling me how bad Bama looks because of what happened against South Carolina. And I made the point. I said, guys, there's four freshman starters on this team right now in the front seven. It's yep. week three. Let's. I, I trust that Saban's going to let this play out. And I, I agree with what you're saying with Kirby, and he's going to let this stuff play out. But where what bothers me about how he coached and managed this game is you didn't get to see all of Georgia's toys. You didn't get to see Pickens featured a lot in the in the passing game. You didn't get to see Fromm let loose until the second half. You really true, didn't get to see true. Swift let loose until the second half. And it was there was a you know, you fumble the punt return, which that's not on Kirby. And that's you know, their defense. I made a comment in the first half on Twitter and I said, I, I tell you what. Say what you want about Georgia. This defense wants no part of Alabama or LSU right now, and and I stand by what I said with that because of the fact that when you have a tight end that's going like seven catches for sixty eight yards in the first half, he's he's, he's unguarded. I mean, you, you have to make an adjustment. I was disappointed in the fact that you're right in in winning a game like this close and finding like the will to win and making sure you hang on to it. That will pay off long term, I think, like as the season goes on. But at the same time. When you hear all this talk about how we're elite, we are better than Bama, we are better than LSU, we're playing on a different level, our defense is this, you can't have both. You can't be elite, we're going to run these people out of the building, and then also be like, well, it's great that we were able to pull, hold on to that one. No, you like even, even with how great Notre Dame played, Georgia, in my opinion, and I'm going to say this again, it's graphic, but you should have put your foot on their throat... And put that and, and press down. You should have won this game, and you should have won it in, in emphatic fashion in the second half. I'll say I'll say a couple things in defense of Georgia here. Being without it, because I think Eric Stokes went Eric yeah. Stokes went down pretty early in this game, so they're without their two starting corners yeah, for a Campbell. little bit. But he came back, yeah, because Campbell is also out. Um, but I, I also thought that Notre Dame tackled like it's never tackled yeah. before. I mean, they they like didn't have a missed tackle for so long in this game. It felt like where. DeAndre Swift, I mean, if you can if you can wrap up that guy, I mean, yeah. tip of the cap because that is not an easy thing to do. And DeAndre Swift actually did get a career high 18 carries in this game. We remember we really? set the over okay, under nice. at 17, and we're like, I saw him at 15. Finally? I didn't know if he got the, if he ended up getting it. He got the 18, was held to, to 98 yards on the ground, I believe. So he was held under 100 yards, and that's that's credit to Notre Dame. He had 15 for 95. 15 for 95 and then was held yeah, yeah. He, on, the, on the last drive right. there. But, yeah, I thought this was uh, – I, I thought for Georgia this game didn't necessarily follow that script, but but that's okay. And yeah. I think that this team – it is still early, and this team still has room to get better, and maybe this is a little bit of a, hey, we're not maybe as good up front as we thought we were. Hey, defensively, we had – we have the we have some we we have areas that we need to be able to fix. We need to be able to cover a tight end when he's running. When he's running a drag right over the middle of the field in front of us. And, and to be and again to be fair to Georgia fans, like I'm not I'm not saying this, I'm not saying this to be critical as a a Bama fan or or to critical of Georgia. I'm I'm genuinely 100 percent giving you this feedback as somebody that's being critical of an elite team. 
Because this is an yeah, elite exactly. team and this is an elite yeah, that's program. How judge. And this yep. is and this is this is where you should be judged. And I don't mean this to be like, well, you guys didn't look any good and you should have won by this amount and I'm not impressed. It's more so the fact that like, man, I know you've got all I know you've got if if somebody came into my garage and saw this broken down Cadillac, they would not be impressed. If you go into Kirby Smart's garage and you lift up the the damn what do you call it, the door and there's like George Pickens, Blaylock, DeAndre Swift, I mean Brian Harry and all the Zemir did we even see Zamir White last night? I don't think Samir White did he play. I don't. I don't know. And so it was. And listen, I know the injuries are tough. Like, trust me, I get that as a Bama fan. But, but from just judging based off an elite, elites, and again, this is a top ten team. Like they're playing on paper from Notre Dame. Yeah. But at the same time, Taylor you know, went to the playoff last year. I mean, let's let's not discount Notre Dame and and, and treat it like let's it's, it's Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. <laughs> I, uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame deserved the standing ovation that it got from Georgia fans yeah. as it walked off the field last night. I think there were Georgia fans. I think there were fans yeah. in the South. I think there were fans across college football that were ready to pounce on the Irish. And you know what Notre Dame did? Stood it up. went toe to toe with Georgia on the road in that atmosphere right. for sixty minutes. And I give all the credit in the world to Georgia for, or to Notre Dame for being able to do that because. Nobody's been able to do that against Georgia in this three-year run that Kirby Smart's been on since the well, start of 2017, essentially since, I'm saying in Sanford Stadium. Okay, I'm saying yeah, go in, in there. Sanford Stadium, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying this is a, you got to remember, Jake Fromm has beat every team that's walked into Sanford, every Power 5 team that's walked into Sanford Stadium by at least 14 points, won an average of, by an average of 24 play? points. It's the SC East, and they don't even play Florida there. They've played Auburn there before. That's I mean, true, yeah. At the same time, I, I, I so I understand that, this, this game felt it felt a little bit different to, to win it in front of the home fans. I think that does have some long term value. One yeah. of the takeaways I had from this Deep South sold his rivalry. Your favorite game is going to be real. Auburn looks good, good man. No, real good. I, and I, the last thing I'll say about the Georgia thing: there's so much time left in the season. They are an elite football team. They look great. And I tell you what, this whole thing isn't ending anytime soon. And as, and I this is purely from a place of jealousy. It is nice to have a night game to show off that 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 light display. How cool was that? That was that was, that was sick, man. That, that was, was like really they, when they, like I've been to so many Georgia games. I, there's no way to sound this out sounding like white trash. But my first stepdad was a huge Georgia fan. We used to go to all these Georgia games. Then I I watched them come out of that far end zone in the end zone that Herschel built so many times, like running out of like the G. And so they obviously now switched it to like the like the under the student section coming out. That was one of the coolest, most electric atmospheres. I think I've ever seen. That looked awesome. That looked awesome. Very cool atmosphere. Uh, as I said, as I was trying to transition to before. Yeah, until... <laughs> Let's talk about Auburn and Texas A&M because that was a game that was one that we were looking forward to seeing how Auburn was going to stack up again away from home. But this time, Bo Nix traveling in a true road atmosphere against the top 25 team. The story of the game was the Auburn defense, in my opinion. And Derek Brown is is healthy. We we can confirm after watching what he did on Saturday that the star defensive tackle for for Auburn is indeed fine. Here's what bothered me about this game: Auburn came out and was ready to go from the jump. Anthony Schwartz, that long run that beautiful. he had on the end around, beautiful, world class speed on full display. Good to see him back healthy and looking like himself. How in this smooth one. was that? I'm buttery. I buttery. mean, <clears throat> goodness, that was that was awesome. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, he so Auburn comes out and sets the tone and just smacks him in the face and does what an elite team should do in a in a tough road atmosphere where you're playing in front of a hundred thousand people, and so Auburn led that whole game essentially and, and looked and looked the part. 
And so afterwards, I tweeted, Auburn's a top five team, deserves to be a top five team on Sunday. Don't at me. And the response is that I had. You, Connor? People at me, believe it or not. You're now going to. Stunning, I know, right? People are adding me with Bo Nix's stat line, which was something like 12 God. of 20 for, for 100 yards or whatever. You know what I should, I, and I didn't respond to all these people because it's not worth my time. Sorry if you resp- Sorry if you sent that stat line to me and I didn't think that you were worthy of a response. Oh, In my opinion, man. you just weren't. Yikes. Auburn has beat two top 25 teams away from the, the friendly confines of Jordan-Hare. Say and it again, this, Connor. Auburn has beat two top 25 teams away from the friendly confines of Jordan-Hare. In this era where we're always talking about, they ain't play nobody, Paul. <laughs> Auburn played <laughs> people. <laughs> Auburn, I'm sorry for the, the good, good. coming back in. Auburn has actually played people. And yeah. not just played people at home, but they have imposed their will, they've imposed their will against Texas A&M. And yeah, their quarterback didn't throw for a billion yards. I get that this is 2019. We're used to Tua. We're used to Trevor Lawrence. We're used to Jake Fromm. These guys who are putting up big-time numbers and looked the part, and they're considered first-round draft picks. And because it's Bo Nix, maybe you're thinking to yourself, oh, Auburn's beatable. Auburn's Auburn deserves to be a top-five team. You want to tell me why Oklahoma or Ohio State should be a top-five team over Auburn? Get out of here. Ohio yeah. State didn't face a single power-five team in non-conference play. Oklahoma faced UCLA, which, by the way, can't beat anybody. They are did they come back? They did are. they come back and beat Washington State? I didn't watch. I, I watched that. I didn't that stay kick up. return was incredible to watch, but I, I they are awful. Okay, so my point is, in this era that we're talking about so much of the strength of schedule early in the season, Auburn has done everything that you could have asked them to do yeah. by beating Oregon, number 11 in the country, and beating A&M, rant over. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I, listen, you know it's going to take a lot for me to, to defend Auburn. Um, I, so I don't think Auburn is on... Is on uh, Georgia's level by any means, as right. But now. I'm saying right now, yeah. yeah, just right now they deserve to be a top. Oh, without five a doubt, team without a doubt. So it, you, know, what's weird about it is it, they're almost like they almost remind me of like the inverse, the opposite, the antithesis. It's a big word uh, of LSU, like where LSU's oh, LSU's offense is like <laughs> never thought I'd say this dominant, like flexing, yeah, on everyone. Um, Auburn's defense is doing the exact same thing. Now, like, listen, like, let's let's be objective here, and maybe maybe I'm. Being a homer because of my hatred for Clemson, Do, who looked more impressive against against Texas A&M, in, in with with fifty five minutes into this game, who looked more impressive against Texas A&M, Auburn or Clemson? A and M was able to stifle Clemson. It was twenty four to ten. Well, it's twenty four to three. They scored late. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that's you know what I'm I I am I'm wrong about that. Okay. Well, what I'll say is this. Though. <laughs> what I'll say is this. So Auburn went on the road into an atmosphere that is. Listen, in Kyle Field, we know everything. We've heard all these things about it. It's 102,000 people. It's so many dudes. So many dudes. <laughs> I did. I wish we had this on video. I did a perfect yell practice thing, and like, because like, Allie was like, "Why are they? What are they doing?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" She was like, "They go practice their cheers on Friday night." And I was like, "We we have so much to unpack here." Um, no, a. I mean, Auburn goes on the road to A and M. That's a tough environment. And listen again. This is purely based off of the, the, the off-season narrative of what we thought. We thought A&M, Jimbo Fisher, and I said this before, they were they were very close. Chris Wright brought this up. This is a very good stat. Under Jimbo, they're 2-4 and four against ranked teams. And both those mm-hmm. wins, they had to get in overtime. So yeah. and you guys know how I feel about the LSU win. We're not going to get back into it. But like, A&M, I think, is a very good football team. I tell you what, they're going to be scary good next year because they have so much talent coming back. But 
but they're they're still a year away, I think. And Auburn is able to do this. We've talked about this before with New Gus. They're able to do this and put teams away with their defense. Teams are not. It almost looks like an old Bama off or Bama team, like where like the defense is so far ahead of where the offense is right now. But yep. man, again, just like we said for Georgia, this week four. It's week four. They're four zero. They have two wins against teams that were ranked in the top seventeen teams in the country. Oregon is is a very good football team, and I think as the year plays out, we'll get to know that more. Their defense looks dominant. Oregon, really good. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and, really and good. Justin Herbert is a fantastic quarterback. So He's I think balling. that win's going to come back and 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 only give Auburn more street cred when it comes to the playoff and all that kind of stuff. But man, like think about how they're able to win these games and and in the fashion they're doing it in. And the offense is sputtering, and Bo Nix is does have these pretty terrible lines. Like, are we are they bad, or are you trying to find something about them uh, how they are bad? You know what I mean? Exactly. They're they're not a complete team necessarily, right. and I think that's that's the kickback of oh they're not a top five team because they're not complete. You know what though? I, I bet there are a lot of if, if Oklahoma went and faced an actual top fifteen, top seventeen team, we we'd be reminded, oh, Oklahoma's defense is terrible. They're still terrible. I'm sorry. If Ohio State went and faced an actual top seventeen team, which I mean, I know they're going to Nebraska this weekend. I don't necessarily consider that uh, the the ultimate test for that team. Do you? But maybe we'd see these things. We've seen Auburn now twice do this. By the way, when AM was doing his midnight yell, you know what New Gus was doing? Flexing in a mirror. Bicep bicep and tricep Dude, how, workout. How he, awesome is new Gus? He got up in the middle of the night and he just decided, you know what, I need an arm pump right now. Yeah. And I need and, and maybe I will yell. Maybe I'll join in on the fun. But yeah, that's, I'll just that's stand all in my I window right and now. scream at you guys while I'm just ripping heaters over here by myself inside of a non smoking room at a holiday inn express. I don't care. I'm new Gus. New Gus does whatever he wants. He New Gus looked like he was who was it? Was it Seth Williams? Who was the receiver? that was was lined up that came in at the last second you tweeted this out the video of new gus going berserk on the side i peed a little i've never i've like i i made a joke i made the joke about how it looked i'm not saying this be funny it it gave me like like flashback like ptsd of being a kid in the in the grocery store when your mom is trying to check out and she's like where where are you and i'm like i'm over here in the toy aisle it's like get over (laughs) here right now he was God, he was fired up. New Gus is, is awesome. New Gus is now 4-0 in a spot where many people, I tweeted this out, many people thought that this game could potentially make Gus 2-2. Two and two, Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're having the conversations that we were having back in 2016 where he had that really pivotal week four game against LSU. And we're trying to figure out what's the future in store. Is he actually going to be Auburn's coach beyond, beyond this game? And now he's sitting there doing what he wanted to do, which was develop a young quarterback, let the defense be the, be the driving force for this team. Just as Cole Kublik said on this here podcast, that in this first month of the season, as the offense is still figuring out with a young quarterback, they're still trying to figure out who they are, this defense is more than capable of doing the work. And that is yeah. exactly what we've seen. And credit credit Gus, because it's working, man. It's working. This formula has been good for this team so far. And there's yeah. a reason that they're, they're all of a sudden, people are, people are going to wonder now, is this can this be one of those magical years for Auburn? Uh, yeah, agreed. And and so and oh god, as soon as he threw that touchdown pass at Oregon, I knew this was going to come back and haunt me. Um, what I will say is this, and this is going, touching back on the Georgia thing. Like when you get into a game, this is a perfect example. You get into a game like this against Auburn. The way to beat this Auburn team is not by getting into a slugfest with them because you're going to lose that. Like yep. that is, I think I saw something the other day. It was I think it was PFF. 
or Pro Football Focus, they had their top 50 draft prospects. And they were talking about, like, you know, like stock rising up, stock rising down. And it was like, one of them was like, I forgot the way they phrased it, but it was like, can't stop. It was, it was like just players that are, their stock is just plummeting. And Derek Brown was one of them. And I was watching this game, and how many times do we see him, and he's a big dude, making plays outside the hashes? Oh, I mean, it's, that guy gets, he gets around. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so, I, like, we talk about Georgia in this game. I can't wait for that game, obviously. And also, when we're in Baton Rouge, it's going to be an incredible game. But you got to get Hopefully, you gotta, in Baton Rouge. We're not 100% sure that we're going to be making the trip, but we, we assume we're making the trip okay. to Baton Rouge, right? Um, you got you to gotta get after this team early because you cannot, this is not one of those things you can kind of just, like, dip your toe in the in the, in the water, see how it's feeling. You got you to gotta yeah. dive right in, man. Let's talk about A&M real quick because I think Aggie fans are sitting there at 2-2. Two and two. They've seen a couple of, of legitimate top 10 teams, and they've watched their offense sputter, and they have questions about year two with Jimbo, and I don't think it's as simple as, oh, well, they lost Trayvon Williams, and yeah. Jason Corbin went out with a hamstring injury for the season, and I guess this is just this is an excuse. I think that right now... AM is struggling at the line of scrimmage. That, yeah. that to me, is the big issue. I, I don't think Isaiah Spiller is, is the problem necessarily. I think they're just getting beat up front by – they got beat up front by two really, really good defensive lines, and they've become a one-dimensional offense, which is not the way that Jimbo Fisher's right. system is going to be able to work. That's not the way Kellen Mond is going gonna, is gonna to thrive. Kellen Mond struggled again. Yeah. Uh, struggled again in this one and kind of made people – all of a sudden be like, man, what what do we make of this Kill guy? Because, not the best quarterback uh, in the SEC, like you said. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm willing to be on board with that, even yeah. more so now. Um, but His it, receivers, I, I think, by right, the way, shout out to them. Real quick. I mean, like, oh, there's, they're studs. That's not the issue at all great. either. Yeah, that's one of the catches. Oh, which one was that? Courtney uh, Davis. Courtney Davis. Behind the, yeah. Oh, my God. That, that was insane. But, yeah, this A&M team has issues, and this is what we talked about with this schedule going forward in year two. We expect these things to be so linear. Right. And a, a lot of the times, reality hits you in the face in year two. We could talk about it with Jeremy Pruitt. We can talk about it a little bit even if you want to go out to Nebraska and talk about Scott Frost struggling to put away Illinois on the road. Did they win? But, yeah, they won. They ultimately won that game. Ugh. But game that they were down two touchdowns in the second half. Anyways. So I, I think right now the issue with AM is how how in the world do we navigate the schedule? Because up front they're not at the level that they thought that many that many thought that they were going to right. be this year. Do we want to talk any more AM? Do you have any more fire takes? I want to say one more about thing Jimbo? about Georgia. No, I'm kidding. I, I, okay. I think it's good. Okay. Kyle Trask fueled Florida for a good part of this game. A good part of this game. The defense as well was lights out for the Gators, despite the fact that that against Tennessee yesterday, they did not have Jabari Zuniga. They did not have C.J. Henderson, and they got after it. It was way, way more lopsided than I thought. I thought Tennessee was going to cover in this one. I kind of thought this had the makings of a game that the Vols could hang around and maybe surprise some people and be like, ah, okay, we're we're, we're, we're doing at least doing some things right. No, it was more of the same for Tennessee. They are so far apart of the elite teams in the SEC, it's stupid right now. And credit Florida because I have blamed Florida for not being able to impose their will against Power 5 teams, inferior Power 5 teams, and they they absolutely did that on Saturday, and they were able to pull away late, despite the fact that they had three turnovers in this game. Kyle Trask wasn't perfect. He was good, but made some, some I thought, unforced mistakes. Yeah. And, and I thought Florida, though, to its credit, that's what you need to do against a team like Tennessee. Yeah, they put them away early, man. Um, I, I was... I was a little bit concerned with, you know, like going for it on fourth and fourth and one or fourth and goal. 
uh, early on in the first half, the end of the first half. I, th- I thought this is one of those things where you just get your points. It was the opposite of Kirby, I guess. Like, just get your points and go into the, the half. But this was pretty evident that, that Dan Mullen, I don't know if he wanted to prove a point, but I don't think that he he was ever concerned that, that Tennessee had something that could beat them. I agree. I, yeah, that was pretty evident. And that's, man, I don't want to pile on Tennessee too much just because I, I just feel bad for their fans at this point. And, like, I genuinely do. It's 14 in a row. 14 in a row to Florida, 12 in a row to Bama, and it's not getting any better. This is the, the problem here for me is is the fact that we well 14 in a row on on the road in games. Yeah, that's correct, right. right. When's the last yeah, time yeah. they beat Tennessee or they beat Florida? That would have been 2016, right? I don't. Yeah, 2016. They had the comeback. They had the comeback in Knoxville. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 14, yeah, that's right, 14 that's right. of 15. You're right. That Florida right. beat. Yeah, that's my fault. Um, but it's just it's one of those things where it's like. This team, we, we've what you don't want to see from this early on, in this early on in the season, is a team giving up. And I feel like I'm watching a team that's already given up, and it's it's tough to watch. And it, it's it's like I don't say that to to be like a jerk or anything like that, but it's like they don't look like they have an answer. They look like th- this whole thing beforehand. Like Peter Burns, he he predicted the upset. He was like. I think Tennessee's yeah. going to go down there, and, you know. I'm, and I'm very glad that I didn't I I didn't know about the Jabari Zuniga and T.J. Henderson thing when I originally made my pick. Yeah, they were questionable at the time. I probably would have been like, you know what, Tennessee's going to cover. You know, they're going to circle the wagons. It, I don't know if there's any more wagons to circle. <laughs> it's just like I mean, it was rough. It, it is, and like they couldn't use a phone on the sideline. That was tough to watch. That, tough look for millennials on that. That one. was yeah, not we, that, you know that like Georgia's got a whole damn laser light show out here, and Tennessee can't work a, a rotary telephone. I, I just no, I mean I, I was just disappointed in what I saw, and yeah, UCLA did beat Washington State. Um, I, did they really? They Sixty-seven came back all to the way. sixty-three. All right, well I still I still stand by what I said yeah. about UCLA. Um, still stand by that. No, just but it, to, like back to what we're saying, like Florida, we've seen their struggles. And, and and I don't think that it's because Miami's a great team, and I know that Kentucky on the road is a, is a tough game, but we've seen their struggles, and when you can't even remotely take advantage of it, and and I, you know what, I was wrong about Michigan. I still feel fine about my Utah pick. I feel fine because of how the the Pac-12 has a lot of ranked teams. Okay, Bold. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna make it. I'm just saying I feel fine. Michigan couldn't have been more wrong having them in the playoff. That was stupid. Also, Jared Garantano. In Tennessee, I'm, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to say his name the way he should have been pronouncing it because he was doing a lot better when he was pronouncing it. That way. He was. You were spot on when you said that. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I just I was wrong. I was wrong, and it continues to look worse and worse every week to show you how wrong I was. He got benched in this game for Brian Maurer. Um, it, it was it, it was ugly. I mean, the, Tennessee just did not have the answer. Some of the decisions that he makes where he made this one throw – where he he got it was a safety blitz that Florida brought and he throws this like 15 yard out route and it was every single positive thing that anybody has ever said about Jared Garantano in that moment right. it still feels so weird to say that it just doesn't feel right it. it's weird and every positive pro JG supporter everybody that's ever said anything good about him pointed to that throw and said this is it this is it this kid right here just took a massive shot from from a florida defensive back and he stood in the pocket delivered this dime and then it was i think two plays later where he throws that interception to marco wilson who was he throwing that to one of the worst interceptions i i've seen obviously from him this week 
it was uh, it was horrendous. And I thought the, the besides that, even just the the goal line play where he just zips it in there and it just did not have any touch on this pass. And you could say maybe maybe it's kind of kind of a drop, but he did not have the touch on that. And he throws an interception in the red zone. It was an awful awful game for yeah. a Tennessee offense that has had time to get right. They've had time. I mean, they've had the opponents too, and they for whatever reason. You know, we made a lot of the Jim Chaney hire. I thought it was going to work out well. Right now, it does not look like an investment that was worth making. No, no, it's like baseball cards as an adult. That is not a good investment. Um, yeah. So I do want to say this though, and and I, I know that like because because I'm just so taken aback by how bad Tennessee is. I I didn't give enough credit to Florida. Man, Florida Florida is each and every week, each and every week. I know a lot of their fans out there are still mad at us or mad at me or whatever. Each and every week, they just go out there and just put their head down and go to work and 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 get. Like, I mean, they had three turnovers in this game, and they won by 31 points. So at some point, you have to start thinking, like, you're missing, in my opinion, your two best players on defense, two of the better players yep. in the league on defense. Yep. You're missing them, and you're still winning 31, 31 points, or 30, by 31 it's points. It's a good sign. It's a very good sign, and you're doing it against a rival. And I tell you what, I, you're doing getting, – getting – one of the things that, that Florida has to do as a program – in my opinion, to get back to that elite level they were where they were with Urban Meyer and they were with Steve Spurrier, is the swamp has to be feared again. And, you know, there's not a lot to fear about a day game ever. I feel like a 12 o'clock start, it's hard to be like, man, this crowd is crazy because it's just it's just tough to get up that early. But the, the swamp is slowly becoming a place where, again, only Gators get out alive. And when you were able to put, like, this is still a rivalry game. And this is still a big rivalry game for both these teams and the SEC. And Florida continues to distance themselves from from Tennessee, and and I don't think enough can be made about Kyle Trask came in to go Felipe Franks. He wasn't the first half. He looked incredible, right? Mm-hmm. He looked incredible and from a yeah. numbers game. Man, I tell you what, like people talk about how they weren't going to miss a beat with Felipe Franks. You tell me this doesn't sound like a Felipe Franks stat line: twenty of twenty eight, two hundred ninety three yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. <laughs> that does sound you know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. Like, I, I I love the fact this kid came in, didn't get super, didn't get nervous. The the moment wasn't too big for him because it could have been, and it and it, it just it never was. And Florida is a team that is is doing a lot better than I think that we gave him credit for. Or I gave him credit for especially. I'm the one thing I'm not crazy about just yet is the definitive statement that Kyle Trask moves the Florida offense better than Felipe Franks. Yeah, There's a reason that Felipe Franks was starting. Right. It, it, it's still too early. And I'm a, I'm a pro-Kyle Trask guy. Yeah. As I've said many times in this podcast, I thought he was going to be the opening day starter in 2018. Right. That didn't prove to be the case. But I'm, in, I'm a little bit more in wait-and-see wait mode in that because I thought there were still some decisions in that game, some tough moments where it would have been beneficial to have a quarterback who can really move and Felipe would have been able to evade pressure and run for a first down where, where Kyle Trask couldn't necessarily do it. I, I thought that there were some limitations evident, but at the same time, if you're a Florida fan, you're not feeling all of a sudden like, yeah, our top, our, our chances of being a top 10 team are over and that's the positive going forward. And one last thing I will say about this is 10, 10 different receivers caught a pass. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Eh, that's pretty good. Let's do one takeaway from each of the rest of the games in the SEC because there were some good ones. There were some really, really good ones. Let's start with LSU and Vandy, the game that f- LSU fans drank Nashville dry. They, they, that was the least surprising thing in the world. That was awesome. Good for you. Vodka. I didn't know we were on a vodka. I just want to be an LSU fan so much. Um, yeah, drinking somebody dry of vodka 40 minutes in, like, let's and go, LSU. Proud of you guys. 
that wasn't necessarily my one big takeaway. That wasn't oh, really much that's of my a fault. surprise. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I'm, I, we needed at least touch on that. LSU's defense is why Joe Burrow is going to stay in position in this Heisman race. Oh, that's a now, really good take. Hear me out here because we watch other quarterbacks in the country, and if you're playing in a blowout game, even, even somebody, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Tua's putting up ridiculous numbers, and he's absolutely in the Heisman race. But LSU's defense, because of the fact that it's banged up right now, it's not it's just not playing that well, allowed Vandy to score a whole lot of points in this game. Joe Burrow had to stay out there, and he had to continue to throw pass after pass after pass, and he set the LSU single-game record with six passing touchdowns, and he was forced to say, we need to keep our foot on the gas. We need to keep lighting up the scoreboard. This team doesn't have an answer for us. And if, if, you, if you needed proof that this is a different team, a different offense, the stat that you threw out was, was so fantastic. This is the fourth game of the year for LSU. Yeah. And at the start of the second half of the fourth game, Joe Burrow no, no, no. already started matched. Start of the second quarter. Start of the second quarter, Joe Burrow had already matched his entire t- passing touchdown total from last year. He had his 16th passing touchdown. He's now obviously over that. That's why I think Joe Burrow is very interesting and why I think they recognize the odds makers. We talked about this a little bit the other day, why they had to come out and move those odds way up because they're saying to themselves, this guy is going to throw for a ton of yards in this system as long as this defense is banged up and we need to get out ahead of this. Yeah, and so, you know, it's, I, I, like, I feel like Bama fans or like Georgia fans especially, like they wouldn't be happy – from a defensive standpoint, just because your coach is a defensive-minded coach, and I know Orgeron right, is right. too, technically, but like, you know, you've been starved of offensive affection. I'll just say it for so long. <laughs> I mean, for real, like you, like for real, like like Van- giving up almost forty points to Vandy is a problem. I'll just say it; it's a problem. It's not good. It's not a good look. They they kind of went up and down the field that first drive. They didn't give up from a yard standpoint that much. I mean, it was 300 and what? 374 yards. I'm not that concerned about that. I don't think a single LSU fan really cares because you've been starved of offensive affection for so long that, one, it's fun. It's fun to be able to sit here and be like, oh, my God. Like, I put out the the comment. I was like, Joe Burrow and LSU, are they've scored. They're they're up 28-7 in the first quarter. That was the final score of the Georgia – uh, what do you call it? The Georgia uh, Vandy game it was like twenty-eight-six, and I was like, they've scored more the same amount of points in the first quarter as Georgia. thirty-six. Yeah, was it thirty-six? Yeah, oh, thirty-six. Jeez, um, in the first like, quarter, like I was like, this is this is crazy. And, and our buddy Murray, I can't remember his last name. He made a comment. He goes, yeah, but they they also gave up more points than Vandy than Georgia gave up in the entire game in the first quarter, which is also true. I'm excited for this. Like, I, I as a fan, this is I feel like what you want to see in the SEC championship game. And I, like Absolutely. I know, as like a Bama fan, like obviously I want my team to win and all that kind of stuff. But how much fun is this to watch these two programs and, and kind of like like take off a little bit? And Georgia's kind of been there, but with the LSU stuff, yeah, man, I don't think a single person cares because because in the past this would have been a game. It's like we got we got so much to work on here on the you know the defense. This is not okay. We've been running the football in the, in the second half. When's the last time Jamar? When's the last time a LSU receiver like Jamar Chase had ten receptions for two hundred and twenty nine yards and four touchdowns? Absurd. And, and you know, I, I think you're right. The Burrow thing, like we, I, I thought it was a, the value on, on on his Heisman candidacy is not great. But man, you think about this. These, these are the next games they have. You get a week off, and then you get Florida in three weeks. You get Auburn in five weeks. Another week off, and then you get Bama. 
he he's gonna have Oof. he's gonna be in a good position to be the Heisman front runner going into November. And if they beat Bama, he has an even better chance of, of having the the uh, a firm hold on on that because that's listen people people know that people in Ohio State are gonna put up numbers and same with Oklahoma. This is new and this is exciting. It is exciting, and go figure that at the start of this decade, everybody's talking about Bama and LSU playing in this defensive struggle, the field goal game, and, and all that. And by the end of this decade, the 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 script has totally flipped with the way that we look at these teams, and their 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 identities are completely different. It's gonna be Alabama, an NBA All Star game. It, it's gonna have a little bit. Of, it might have a little bit of that feel come November. Southern Miss and Bama. There wasn't really an obvious takeaway other than I think, and I'm not sure we'd have to get out there, we'd have to run side by side, but just to make sure, (laughs) I think Henry Ruggs can beat me in a race. I think. He caught a pass, Connor, where he was seven yards behind the the defender, caught turned his body around to make, like, to where he was facing the quarterback and, like, where the ball is coming from, caught it, then turned around again, all, all while a defender is running at him, and then still pulled away. He, he they said he last week of that that slant route against USC he he got timed at 24. like 6 or 24.3 miles an hour and he said it was the third fastest time he's been timed at I can't even ride a bike that fast I, there's no way I, I no I could barely drive a car that fast uh yeah I mean, I, I, that's that's a cool takeaway I think he is faster than you I think um also <laughs> I the the two a thing give give my man his props when when he when he deserves it because this is, the, Heck of a start. this is the fourth game. First off, yeah, he's not thrown an interception yet, right? 17 touchdown passes, zero interceptions, I believe. And and I get that he hasn't played anybody, so y'all just calm down. But the fact that he has – this is his fourth game with more touchdowns than incompletions, that's stupid. That's stupid. Yeah. And, and somehow it's already worn off as like a novelty because people are over like, we ain't played nobody. Najee Harris got over 100 rushing yards as well. Boom. Follow, Bama was, of course, going to get after it on the ground. That's what we said coming into this one. Um, not surprised, obviously, to see Bama roll. And Steve Sarkeesian, let's give Steve Sarkeesian yeah. a little bit of props because he's somebody that came into the season facing these big issues, and I had questions about him, especially in that opener as he's trying to get the, the pieces yeah, figured out. Yeah, I thought but, about that yesterday. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, he is. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian's looking looking the part early on against competition that you should, that Bama, we expect Bama to be dominating like this. Right, and let's also give a quick shout-out, too, because everyone brought it up. Everyone wanted to bring it up last week about the defense and how bad they looked, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's a t- that's an offense that was that was averaging 373 passing yards a game. Bama held them to 226 total yards with four true freshmen starting in the front seven. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Kentucky and Mississippi State, I talked about how my two kids were battling it out. Oh. Felt awkward watching this one. I know that the obvious people are probably expecting me to say Mississippi State's back or good win for Joe Moorhead or Garrett Schrader should be the starter for Mississippi State. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction, despite the fact that I could say all of those things. You just did. Make a decent case. I could, but I could say I could go more in depth. I realize that Kentucky is sitting there at 0 2 in conference yeah. play, and they have this game against South Carolina coming up. And even if they beat South Carolina because of the success that they've had against the Gamecocks, people can just say this is the same old Kentucky. This is par for the course for them. I am not giving up on Kentucky, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I, I think stubborn. that, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> I give, 
I, I give that team credit for not letting Mississippi State run away with that game when that game should have been over early. Yeah. They were up 21-3, to and we're thinking Kentucky is just going to get routed. And they made that a true 60-minute game. And that was a defense that was we – we, we have a lot of questions about coming into this season. And, yes, they might not be on the same level that they were last year, but – they they put the clamps down absolutely on that Mississippi State offense when we know about Kylan Hill we know that he's capable of, of you know capable of really taking over a game and I didn't think Kentucky really let him do that despite the fact that he got his numbers he got his carries and he ultimately had that that key touchdown late Three but touchdowns. still yeah I I do think that this Kentucky team is dismissing them would be a mistake Sawyer Smith is not as is not necessarily the the same quarterback that Terry Wilson is, but I think he's still going to keep them in a lot of games. I think Kentucky is just going to be this pesky team that really, really annoys teams throughout the entire season. And maybe, you know, they're not going to win 10 games. They're probably not going to win nine games. But at the same time, I am not totally selling my Kentucky stock. Tell me I'm crazy. I'm not going to tell you you're crazy. It was was tough to watch because it's just one of those things where it's like, man, Sawyer Smith goes down. You already have Terry Wilson out for the year. Let, Sawyer Smith came back. I, he fine. did. I know. I was going to get there. But he's like, I mean, I, like he, he, this was this was disappointing when they came out. I thought this was going to be one of those things where, and yeah, tip of the cap for not giving up. And they could have thrown in the towel and in the second half, especially. But this is one of those things where I kind of thought I was going to see more out of them early. And I was going to see, um, you know, I, I thought they were going to come out and, and battle a little bit uh from from the jump, like more so than they did. But to to give credit where credit should be, where credit's due is Mississippi State. These these two are pretty similar programs and where they're at right now. And and you know yeah. when you have like it's like two injured dogs, like in like they're like backed in a corner and like you know Kentucky chose to be the sweet cute little corgi and back down. And Mississippi State had some dog in it, man. They they were they were they like they they took it to them early. They took it to them early and. and I, we need to address this. I'm going to address it, I guess. The Cash Daniel Let's thing. Let's address the Cash Daniel thing because we yeah. got a lot of people that reached out to us about yep. like like it was a personal vendetta that we had towards you <laughs> about the Cash right, Daniel right. thing. And guys, listen, I know that I pop off of the mouth a lot and I say a lot of stuff that's not always going to be popular. That's fine. I, I I love you guys and we appreciate all the support and you guys listening every each and every week. The Cash Daniel thing sucked just flat out. I'll just say it like yeah. we. We like Cash Daniel because of the fact that we had him on the podcast, and he's he's one of those guys that's like nobody had this 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 attitude towards him about he's a dirty player till before till after this happened, and the whole thing about how you know he he twisted someone's ankle and Kyle Trask and blah blah that is a bad look. We don't support it. We don't condone it. We don't think it. it we think that it should have been addressed maybe publicly. I don't know. That's I'm not in charge of disciplinary actions, and and I'm not going to get into a back and forth of breaking down every single highlight tape yeah. of him and because i don't know anything about that what i will say about cash daniel this is a bad look he shouldn't have done it i i think it's clear to me to me personally that he he tried he tried to twist his ankle i i, I yeah, don't think that's I that's anything it's like gonna shock people what i will also say is that when i look at cash daniel this is not me making an excuse for what he did because there isn't an excuse for what he did but when i look at cash daniel and i look at like this what he has stood for what he's like embodied for this program that that all still kind of in the same way and i'm not saying this to be negative towards florida fans but the brandon spikes thing got brought up in comparison for whatever reason that the eye the eye poke against georgia nobody that's a florida fan looks back at brandon spikes even as a band fan that's not what i remember about brandon spikes brandon spikes was a hell of a player he's one of the best players in the sec for his three years that he was at florida or four years that he was at florida whatever it was cash daniel he 
people aren't going to look back in, in, in his career and be like, he tried to twist Kyle Trask's ankle. For me, at least, I'm not going to look back at that. I, I'm going to look at like how much he tried to turn this program around uh, and, and what, he, what he meant and stood for for the University of Kentucky. That's, that's, and that's just not making an excuse because he's in the wrong. That, that's, I agree. That's, yeah. that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, bad, bad moment. And the last thing I'll say on that, um, I, I do give Mark Stoops credit, though, for suspending him for the first quarter in that game. And usually the first quarter suspensions, I, I kind of rip and I say that's not really a worthy punishment. Nobody was forcing Mark Stoops to make this this punishment. It wasn't like, I, as far as we know, the SEC did not step in and say, you need to suspend him for at least a quarter. Yeah. This is a situation in which it would have been really easy for him to take the internal discipline route, as many coaches do in this spot. And just say, you know what, we need our captain on the road to hopefully avoid dropping 0-2. And I, I thought Kentucky missed him early on. They absolutely missed him. It made an impact in that game. And I thought that credit Mark Stoops for recognizing that this was a this was not a smart move on his part on what Cash Daniel did. It was not acceptable and he needed to face some punishment for it. And we move on. And, and that's that's life. And he's still Cash Daniel is still somebody I love and think is really entertaining. He made it he made a dumb, dumb decision in that moment and that happens. These are college kids that we're talking about. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, like, guys, there's there's so many things that, I, <laughs> that I've done that I, I would I would hate to have been caught on tape. But no, one thing I will say too, and this is the the cash stand thing is wrong. And I and I I'm going to disagree with you on this. And 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 like when the people that reached out about it, like I, I try to be as blunt as possible. It's like one, no, I don't care. I'm not saying it. I'm not not addressing it because I I don't I because I, I I'm defending him or that I right no I, people get about that Florida people yeah get that. like. And I, I just I don't know that much about it. Like I'm still recovering from surgery, so I'm like this isn't little stuff like this. It hasn't been like something I've like been diving headfirst into trying to trying to get caught up on. But the stuff with with what you said, I tend to disagree with you. I think it was good that Mark Stoops he suspended him, but I think it should have been addressed out loud because of how much controversy was around it. Just that's just me personally. The other thing I'll say is this, and what I would love to start living in a world of is is just reality and people not overreacting to stuff. And I, and I think that's. That's just kind of human nature nowadays, especially with social media. It's a very quick knee-jerk reaction. But Connor, you brought this up. We like people that think that we didn't address it. We didn't address it on the pod in the one episode that we yeah, had before. Yeah, that's, but yeah. but in the same time, there were six different stories on SDS talking about the Cash Daniel thing. So, yeah, there was plenty of stuff. So anybody claiming that there wasn't, right. yeah, we, we get yeah. it. Like, it. It's it's all out there. It's a storyline that we can move past. And we're let's, fans. Let's, That's what makes it great. So let's just move on. Let's move on to something that I overreacted to, God. which yeah, I think a lot of people did as well. So I'm not alone in this. I got a little bit ahead of myself on Ryan Helinski. Talking about Peyton I Manning? He was, I thought that he was going to be Peyton Manning 2.0. No, I, I did think that he was going to go into the other Columbia and, and pull off an upset, and that did not happen at all. Credit Mizzou because Barry Odom made his life very, very difficult all afternoon. It was put in some tough spots. Clearly didn't recognize some of the coverages. They had the 100-yard uh, pick six that really was a, a backbreaker in that game for South Carolina. I know South Carolina fans are frustrated that the running backs weren't more involved. They absolutely should have been. The offensive game plan was not where it needed to be. For all the praise we gave South Carolina for the things that they did against Bama, they did not do many things well against Mizzou. And it was a little bit of a reminder of, oh yeah, this is what happens when true freshmen go on the road for the first time and they have to start in an atmosphere that isn't the, the friendly confines of their home stadium. And Ryan Holinsky had a little bit of a down-to-earth moment in this game and what turned out to be a really impressive performance by Mizzou. 
Yeah, that was... So this was I, Jeff, my buddy, that we were watching the game together. Um, or I was up there at his house for the weekend. He's a big Mizzou fan, so we had this on the on the big TV, <laughs> and then the A and M on the small TV. It was it, this was a sloppy game. This was tough to watch, and I, I think it it kind of played out, man. Like I don't know if Columbia, Missouri, is a is a great home field advantage, but I will tell you what, it is is if you're ever trying to lull someone to sleep, this is a good way to do it. And it it's just it's I feel like it's hard to get up. For, for that game. And and, and I, also, Holinsky didn't look like himself. No, and I think that's to be expected to a certain extent. Yeah. When you face, you're facing new defenses and you have new things thrown at you, you're trying to recognize a lot pre-snap stuff, you're trying to make your reads in this in this system that you're still learning. And I thought Ryan Holinsky looked human and Mizzou did what, you're suppo- did what you should do. If you're a defensive-minded coach, y- it is your absolute job, it is your duty to try and confuse a true freshman quarterback, and that is exactly what he did. This Mizzou defense has looked so much better yeah. since that Wyoming oh, opener. The Man, there Wyoming. Was, Somebody brought uh, up a yeah, good point that, last night. The Mountain West has owned the SEC this year. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Shout out. To, let's let's go to San Jose State right there. Yeah. Um, my, my takeaway from this game, pretty simple. Holy crap, Arkansas. What uh, are you doing? Oh, wow. I, oof. I mean... Nick Sarko threw five interceptions in this one. His fifth interception Wait, what? was a backbreaker. Five interceptions. Yeah, count them. One, two, three, four, Guys, five. if you didn't watch this game, I mean, just you are lucky. Because the Georgia game was on during it. So it's, I mean, yes. you had an excuse, so, but God. Or anything else. Reruns of, Na- of, of Nash, Nash Bridges? I, I don't know. Sure, why not? <laughs> I, I don't know. Watch something that wasn't this game because Arkansas fans... I feel for you. I, I really, really do. You had Club Dub. Everybody saw the, the story on SEC Network about that, and it's it's cool, and you're, getting, you're feeling good about winning games again. This was a team that looked like it did not know how to handle the first ounce of success that it had because it was a complete and total disaster, especially on the defensive side. There was that one sequence where I, I, I take so much I, – I, I talked about this with the – with the Tennessee-BYU game and the way that game was decided where BYU just pushes the pile into the end zone. I said, you know what? BYU wanted it more. There was an instance in this game where San Jose State got its entire offensive line and basically moved a pile 10 yards on top of what was already a first down run. And you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, which team is the SEC team? Because it does not look like that at all. And Arkansas was horrible just horrible and so many different facets of the game Rakeem Boyd couldn't get anything going behind an offensive line that struggled and this is a San Jose State team that's won eight games since 2016 they, they won that's the problem oh that's it's not even a good group of five no it's they're so bad they had nine penalties they like they I don't know they they I, I don't know that was they that was tough to watch man I watched like worse the than Georgia quarter. State Worse than Georgia State going up to, to Knoxville and winning. No, which, which, Georgia which is State's more worse. Georgia State's worse because of the fact that, listen, it's they're worse because of the fact that it is coming off a two-win season. It's the first game of the year, and you had all off-season to get ready for this. But coming this off just, a one-win season, though, for San Jose State. Oh, that's I mean, fair. Uh, that's, I mean, this this just sucks because it's like, man, man, you you want Arkansas to, like, you keep thinking they're going to turn the corner, and it's like, oh, we, Starkle's the answer. Also, never realize how much Nick Starkle looks like Pete Davidson if he was, like, a high school, like, like three-guard oh, yeah. or something like that. Like, it makes no sense. Uh, is that a thing? Is that a three-guard a thing? Um, uh, it's a, that's a small four, but that's okay. A swing guy. Um, yeah, a wing. Uh, he, that, that's what I meant, not swing. I'm so stupid. Yeah. I don't understand sports. Anyway, but, no, like the, the Arkansas thing, it was they come back and score, and I'm like, oh, thank God. 
Just because so much of this is like, I, I'm pulling for the SEC. I want the SEC to do well. But, like, also, like, our picks are involved, you know? They were a 20-point favorite. Uh, and they score late. I picked them to win by 28, I think. I, I, I think I had them by, like, 24. And, you, and, like, you know, you sit there and you're like, and you like you think they're going to win. And they come back and I'm like, okay, it's going to be ugly, but this is going to be one of those wins where at the end of the season people don't look back. They just remember that Arkansas won. And they're going to be 3-1, and one, which is great. That's great. And then they go to A&M and lose. But like, at Dallas and lose to whatever. Yeah. But now it's now now you're two and two, and you lost to San Jose State, and then you and then you start thinking about it, and you're like, God, you looked like crap against Portland State. This sucks. So anyway, Chad Morris has yet to beat a Power Five team as a head coach. That that's not Into good. Submission. That's that's not good. Yeah. Um. So wait, what? Yes. Oh God. Even during his time at SMU, he has not beat a Power Five team as a head coach. So and they just beat TCU yesterday. Yeah, go figure. Cal and Ole Miss. The ending of this game Ooh. is the obvious takeaway. Ole Miss, Ole Miss got hosed, but here's what I'll say. Everybody saw the uh, – my, so my takeaway was that Ole Miss got hosed, but I still think that we saw Ole Miss's inexperience down the stretch. Should that play have been reviewed, the catch where he's, it's on the goal line yes. and the ref ruled him down? At the, <laughs> yes. It absolutely should have been reviewed. No doubt about it. That game is that game should not be decided on that play without a review. And then I think that – didn't they not even review the, the sneak on, on, on that? They reviewed the sneak. Play? They reviewed the sneak. Oh, they reviewed they the sneak. They didn't review the, the, the touchdown before okay. that. And, and I get why because Ole Miss is out of, out of timeouts and that would kind of give them an unfair advantage. There was a different, there was a better angle of that where you basically saw what the sideline judge saw. Yeah, Ole Miss fans, you're going to hate me for this. He wasn't in. I don't think he was either. It still should, it still should have been reviewed. Having said that, yes, it definitely should have. And then, and then, because like Matt Luke, it should have come down to Matt Luke being like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We like, we talk about how they 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 inexperienced late. What yep. Matt Luke said to this is one of the most impressive things I've heard from Matt Luke this, since he's been a head coach. And, and this is, this is going to sound like I'm setting the bar low, but I'm not. I was very impressed with what he said here. You're down 20-28. Yeah, we think they got hosed. Pac-12 refs suck. As somebody that gambles a lot, Ugh, I can't bad. tell you how awful it is. That Washington game, or that Utah-USC or uh, USC game, there were 27 combined penalties, Connor. Utah had 16 penalties for 120 yards. It is tough to watch. They are they are inept, and I don't care how that sounds. Pac-12 officials are inept at their job. The Ole Miss thing, what, what was bothersome about this is you don't get the review, so you have the ball on, on the half-yard line, right? And... What do you? I, when he ran up to the, the the line of scrimmage, I was like, "Oh my god, he's gonna spike it! He's gonna spike it!" Like, please don't do this! Please don't do this! And Matt Luke had the 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 wherewithal to say beforehand, "Well, you know, like they didn't give us a review. The timers run out. We didn't have a timeout. You can't spike the ball. Can't do a running play. So we ran a sneak." That was so impressive to me that he was in the moment enough to understand that like we still have a job to do. We still have a plan in place, and they didn't execute the plan per se. But at least he still had the plan in place. And I, I honestly was very impressed with that from Matt Luke. I didn't think that they necessarily – I mean, I, I thought that part of the problem and part of the inexperience was running that route to not get in the end zone. That came back too much. Where that throw had to be better. I, I thought the route could have been a little bit deeper as well. So it's a little bit – Was that John Reese Plumley, by the way? No, that was, that was Matt Corral, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was Plumley. Was, wait, was it Plumley? I'm pretty confident. I'm that? pretty confident. Here, I'll go to the play-by-play right now. I'm Sorry, I'm pretty confident fans. that was, uh, yeah, that was Plumley. Plumley came in, um, I, and I don't I don't like I. To be honest, this is like one of four games that was on 
at the same time. I, exactly. So I don't, I don't yeah. know. And everybody's freaking out about the ending. Yeah, so yeah. I, I that totally slipped and, and past to be, me. Oh, I didn't realize that. To be fair, that. they would have still had to get the, the two point conversion. But I, exactly. I tell you what, yeah, yeah. Ole Miss fans, we we got people were. Mad. I didn't realize that all four of us picked Cal. Which in hindsight was a good pick, but like on the staff picks, we caught some flack for that from Ole Miss fans. I will say this: Ole Miss losing by five to Memphis, which you think is a very good team, even though they're a group of five, and losing at home to a ranked Cal team with a very good defense, and in the way they lost, Ole Miss is is better than that two and two record uh, has 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 is. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know, what I'm trying would, to say. would suggest. Yes, would suggest. That's the word I was yeah, say. yeah. What yeah. was I about to say? Good lord. Yeah. I, Antithesis. I, I, don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Antithesis. Uh, let's move on to a subject that I know SEC fans are sick of hearing about, but we need to address this because it was very noteworthy. Maybe SEC fans will actually want to talk about this because UCF lost a regular season game for the first time since 2016. 26 straight regular season wins. That streak comes to an end at the hands of Pitt. The fighting Pat Narduzzi's, which always seem to be able to pull one of those upsets out. I don't know how they do it especially after how bad that offense looked against Penn State a week ago, but whatever. That's a damn good football team. You just saw right there. (laughs) Dropped an F-bomb on national television. No big deal. Yes, he did. Oh, my God. That is Pat Narduzzi in a nutshell. I would expect nothing less. He's a huge Pat Narduzzi fan, though. He is. uh, He tells it it like he sees it for whatever reason, even when he thinks that kicking a field goal on the goal line is a good idea in that spot against Penn State. So... There were a lot of people that were piling on UCF. There were a lot of people defending UCF. I, as usual, am somewhere in the middle on this. Here's what I think can be true at the same exact time. What UCF did in this streak, which they're still going to win a ton of games, let's be honest, I think is super, super impressive. There's a reason that Pitt celebrated like it did in that game, and I tweeted that out. There's a reason that Pitt celebrated like it won the Super Bowl in that game because of what it meant to beat a program like UCF, which has been really, really good against Power 5 teams during this stretch. Obviously, the sample size has been limited, but they were a week removed from blowing out Stanford. We obviously remember what they did to Auburn in the Peach Bowl a couple years ago. And of course, what they are able to do, hanging tight at least with LSU, I think a lot of people have have allowed UCF to at least turn the corner, and they are the respectable group of five teams. So that meant a lot to Pitt. At the same time, you're going to appreciate this. This is the grind of playing Power 5 teams. This is the first time in UCF's three-year run that they had actually had to play multiple Power 5 teams in the regular season because their other games have been rained out via hurricanes, all that. So having to play Power 5 teams in a back-to-back week, UCF did not show up with its best. If you're playing against Power 5 competition for two months of the year, you can't necessarily, you can't, and if you want to be elite, you can't afford to get off to the starts that, the start that UCF did yesterday. You can't stroll out of bed and expect to just come back with a freshman quarterback. Nobody walks into Heinz Field, just goes in there unscathed. So that, I think both of those things can be true at the same time. And I, I understand that UCF is a very, very popular Twitter discussion topic yesterday. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. The good news, though, this is probably the last time that we're going to talk about UCF for a while. Here's the question: Who do you think UCF or who do you think SEC fans enjoyed piling on more, UCF or Michigan? That's such a good question, Connor. And I, I will say it's this: UCF, they are so much fun to make fun of because of their fans online and and, and just the the re, like because we all know how ridiculous it is. You can't just it's so ridiculous just be like like half ass mention national champs. And all of a sudden they're like, well, yeah, we are, we are national champs. Our AD said so on the field. That is dumb. 
But UCF fans, I will say this, they are passionate as hell. They are not far from, from the passion that SEC fans have. You know what I mean? They really they, are not. They are, I'll say that. they are delusional in some ways, but also they are passionate and they didn't back down. And they and, and I tell you what, if you ever want to ruin your life, get into an argument with UCF Twitter and see how that ends. Ooh, I was still bartending when, when I was doing this podcast when I got thrown under the bus. And I remember looking down and I had 63 Twitter notifications and I was like, what in Oof. the hell is happening right now? Um, that So that was that was tough. But like, UCF, I, I, I think, I, I respect UCF because the fact that they do go out of their way to schedule this this game. They did get Stanford to come, and they ran them out of the building. They looked, they didn't look great here. Um, they made a lot of mistakes, and, and they and they did blow it. They did blow this game. Like, they, yep. they had a chance to win the game, they blew it. Also, a fourth and one where they missed, they kicked a field goal instead of trying to go for it. Um, Never again. That should be illegal. It should. But, no, I mean, like, it was. it's one of those things where, UCF is is every, everyone that hates UCF hates UCF because of 2017 UCF. There, there's nothing to do with this team. Has I don't even know. We don't even know like like or I don't even know like how many stars they have returning and, and who like the face of this team necessarily are yet. But I will say I think they're going to bounce back and 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 just run roughshod over the rest of that schedule because of of how embarrassing this loss was. The Michigan thing is way worse because Jim Harbaugh is somebody that has gone out of Oof. his way to talk. Crap. Crap. You can there say you talk crap about the SEC. I don't want to say that's not how that. I talk. Um, to talk to talk trash about the SEC and 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 you know the whole thing about it's hard to beat cheaters. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? No, Jim. I'll I'll go ahead and let you know what it is right now. It's hard for you to beat Army. It's hard for you to beat Wisconsin. You had it. If you want to talk about how bad a, a, a coach is, you want to talk about how bad a like where a program is. Josh Gaddis couldn't happen to a guy, a more petty person. So I'm having a ball watching this unfold. Oh, and, you know, I, I don't care how that sounds. But also the whole thing with Harbaugh. Harbaugh comes in, goes out of his way to talk trash, knowing, knowing his personal resume, knowing his personal resume. Yeah, you went to a Super Bowl. You lost the Super Bowl. You, you who posted yesterday? Where like he's 0 and 4 against Ohio State. He's 8 and 11 against ranked teams. He's 1 and what against top 10 teams? Or like on the. He is. One win, and it was against Wisconsin right. a, a couple years ago in 2016 in Ann Arbor. You had a week off. You got embarrassed at home and had to like in, in double overtime, I believe, against against Army or at least against Army, uh, yeah. you had to you had to like just by the skin of your teeth come come away with a win against that school, and then you had a week off to prepare for this game. And what did you do? You pissed your pants on national on national television again. Pissed his khakis. Pissed his khakis again. And it, you know what? Like. Back, you go to the back of the line. Go to the back of the line because you know what Notre Dame. They at least came to play in Athens last night, and we talked about that. How they've embarrassed themselves on national stage, not at the same of level of what Jim Harbaugh has done. Brian Kelly is a better coach than Jim Harbaugh. Michigan will not be a top five team. Michigan's Michigan garbage. will not be a top five team on Sunday. They were a preseason playoff pick of mine. Let's just move right Me past too. that. God. Yeah, the SEC, as I've said, deserves to have four teams in the top five. I think, uh, obviously, Bama two, Georgia three, LSU four. I really do believe that Auburn deserves to be number five. By the time this comes out and people are listening to this, we're already going to know, so I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about this. I already brought up that stuff earlier, so we don't really need to go into this. But the thing that I need people to remember, the SEC bias crowd that is going to be out in full force I've talked about this a lot. I wrote about it, and I strongly believe in this. There are going to be people who are going to say, Arkansas and Tennessee are terrible. Why are these teams ranked so high just by beating them? 
these teams are ranked so high because they actually beat Power 5 teams that are respectable. Let's look at what Georgia did by beating Notre Dame, no, number seven team in the country. Let's look at what LSU did by going on the road and winning at number nine, Texas. Let's look at what Auburn did going to a neutral site and beating number 11, Oregon. Right. And then Florida, which has already beat three Power 5 teams, beat one of those teams in non-conference play away from home. I understand Miami struggling. And I understand that Bama played Duke, a Duke team that obviously was going to dominate from start to finish. Having said that, all of those teams won their Power 5 non-conference yep. games. There is a reason that they are going to be ranked so high. And by the way, just in case there was any doubt, Bama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, they all played the New Year's Six Bowls last year. So it's not like this is just coming out of nowhere and this is these are teams that went 8-4 and four last year and they were terrible and we're just giving them too much praise. No, the SEC has four or five really, 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 really good teams. The rest of it is kind of similar to the rest of the country. I think both of those things can be true, and people can need not freak out about if Bama beats Arkansas and about what that means for the SEC. Yeah. The, the SEC has already pulled its weight in non-conference play, and those who are not realizing that and not recognizing it, I'm sorry, but you just have your blinders on. Yeah, agreed. And, and listen, I'm, I'm as rooted in SEC bias as possible because I, I grew up here. I've been watching this since I was four years old, and, I've, and it's been all SEC stuff. And and, and I like I respect national programs. I I I really do for the most part, but when you have, and maybe it's just because of running social media and, and seeing the worst of each fan base and the, the each fan base, not just certain ones, but like, you know, when you, when you have weekends like this, what, what amazes me is how quick to defend Northern football these people are because I've never seen a group rush to a moral victory faster than Big Ten fans or Notre Dame fans and saying like, you know, the Notre Dame thing, well, like it wasn't a blowout like you thought. You're right. Sure. The Michigan thing, when you have to when you have to when you play 12 games in a season in the regular season and you have to find a way to, to hang your hat on something like this is an actual quote, it means more up here because obviously that's why when a northern team comes down to the SEC, that's the first that's the highest uh, attendance you've ever had at an SEC stadium because you're playing a team from the north and we brought that. That's ah, traditional powers, rare of, matchup. They've only played two times previously in school no, history. No, 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 no. Take Game the for... logic out of it, Connor. Take your, take your, so right. ridiculous, all your reason and logic all the time. <laughs> take the logic out of it and, and think about actually saying something like that out loud. Because that was a Michigan fan defending Notre Dame after you got beat 20, by 21 points against Wisconsin. I mean, like, I just, it's, it's such a sad state of affairs. And, like, you know how I feel about Big Ten football. And it's not all bad. Ohio State's great, whatever. But, like, yeah, you're, you're, the SEC, and the SEC is going to do what they always do. They're going to cannibalize themselves, and people are going to point it at Bama's schedule and, and, and try to hold down the SEC by saying, like, well, they don't play anybody. That's not true, and everything you said before my little rant is, is factual, and the Notre Dame thing and the Oregon thing, those should count for something. Let's put a bow on week four and move on to week five and guess some lines. Let's do it. And another but, thing. <laughs> but, but before we do that... Tell us about our friends at MyBookie. Woo! MyBookie saw some action from me yesterday. I will say that. Um, guys, each and every week, you, I, we talk about our gambling lines. Uh, we will not ever bring up anything about HTO, HTO, well, H2O and levels ever again. Ever again, Connor. But what I will say is, after a long, hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and get really unhealthily, emotionally invested into some college football. I think we could all agree on that. 
Yep. Right, exactly. So you have game-winning touchdowns. You have late backdoor covers on fourth-quarter drives. You have running backs racing down the sidelines. No one's going to stop them. There's nothing quite like college football. We're four weeks in. It is the best time of year. And there's honestly, there's no better way to make games even more exciting than to bet on them. And if you don't believe me, head on over to mybookie.ag today because no one gives you more ways to win than they do. Now, listen, you you sat here listening to me all week talk about how Georgia's minus seven, first half, that is the lock of the week for me. It wasn't. It wasn't, Connor. But you know what the, the saving grace was for me? That was my bookie. Because luckily, the half. they had the second half. And you could bet on Notre Dame not scoring more than 10.5 points. I took it. You could also bet on Georgia covering 8.5 points. I took it. You know how many they won by? Not 8.5 points. In the second half? Nine. <laughs> oh, in the second half. In the second half. Gotcha. So needed gotcha. that. And thank God for my bookie. Because otherwise, we would not be having a down payment maybe on this house. Thank you, my bookie. You guys are great. And listen, don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where you should, too. Let's do rapid fire, guess the line, A&M and Arkansas, that game being played in Dallas. I have A&M as a 13.5-point favorite. I've talked way too much in this podcast. I think it's right. Go. <laughs> All right, fine. Northern Northern Illinois and Vandy. I have Vandy as a nine and a half point favorite uh, at home. I'm gonna say it's twelve and a half or thirteen. Okay, yeah. the big three getting a little bit more love. Ole Miss and Bama. This one's tough. We were there last year in Oxford. We remember how ugly it yeah. got. We think this Ole Miss defense is going to be able to put up a tiny bit better of a fight, at least against Bama. I still have Bama as a thirty-one point favorite in Tuscaloosa. This Ole Miss defense is the most underrated defense in the SEC. I, I, I think 31 is spot on. It's, it's going to be between 31 and 35, but I'm, I think 31 is spot on. All right, how about maybe maybe the most interesting game in the SEC in a week that uh, the, the slate is not good. Let's just call it what yep. it is. It is not nearly what week four was. Mississippi State travels to Auburn. Jordan Hare finally gets to host a, a big, a, like, well, not, not a big-time game, but a Power 5 team uh, this year. Auburn, I have as a 12-and-a-half point favorite. Is that too That's much? That's too much. It's a, it's a trap game because yeah. they, 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 I think this line. Go to Florida. They go to Florida after, next week. Yeah. They had eight in this week. So I'm going to say it's going to be 9-and-a-half, uh, and I think it will come down from that too. Okay. Kentucky, South Carolina. Mark Stoops. Nobody gets his team fired up like Mark Stoops when he faces South Carolina. We know about the streak against the Gamecocks. Having said that, because Vegas is Vegas, and I'll disagree with this, but South Carolina, three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I think it's going to be a pick It should be. Gosh, it should be. It absolutely should. There's no reason that Kentucky needs to continue to be an underdog in South Carolina. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I'm not going to make that my lock of the week. If South let's Carolina hold off on that. Favorite. Let's really put some thought. Let's into hold this off week. on that. <laughs> let's we'll put more thought into it. Edward Ogeron, you made a nice trip to Nashville, oh. and I think you were happy with the results. But I'm guessing that based on the way that the alcohol sales went, you're feeling it right now. Connor, hey, hey, Connor. You are quiet. Connor, stop, stop yelling. It's been a long night. A long, quiet. long night in Nashville. I don't feel great. Coach O got a headache. Uh, Very bad. Now, let me tell you something right now. Well, defense a little bad yesterday, okay? Defense a little bad. I'm not going to say I'll give you a little long-winded Ed talk today. I don't feel great. Went to Tootsie's last night. Sang a couple songs from a man, Trace Atkins, Florida Georgia Line. Okay? Maybe sang a little Colin Baton Rouge, God Brooks. 
uh, was quickly escorted off the stage on stage staff, <laughs> decided to go ahead and jump in the crowd. I may have injured two old ladies jumping in the crowd. I'm sorry for all that. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to tell you two things about this, about this team LSU had, okay? One, we can't ever go to Nashville again. Can't, we can't ever go to Nashville again. But what I tell you, the team ain't going to run out of two things. One, heart. Two, vodka. Walked into a ball yesterday. Walked around vodka for forty minutes. I can't yell. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm doing too much. Connor, you have a good day. I gotta go sleep. Coach O, appreciate you as always. Powering through. You're, you're hungover. You're, you're not at your best, but you gotta win. And you know what? Now you got a bye week to be able to to relax. Connor, please so. shut up and go ahead. And hey, Sorry. can you Uber ease me a McDonald's and with a Coke? There's nothing better than a Coke. Sunday morning. Get you a po- I'll get you a po' boy, coach. Okay. Get you a po' boy. We can do that. Oh, God. All right. It might mean too much. I saw this. Uh, Evan Sanders tweeted this at me. It was via uh, Raddy Nabolsi, who does great work for uh, Georgia rival sites. So Georgia, there was a Georgia fan who had this $400 ice sculpture of Ugga. And the fan was offering free shots of whatever punch concoction was creative. And you could pour it through Ugga's mouth. And it looked really, really cool. Apparently, there was a really long line for it, not surprisingly, because when else are you going to get the chance to take a free shot out of an ice sculpture of Ugga? That's an opportunity that even me, who does, like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and, and do shots if I go out and drink. Do you think stuff. doing alcohol is cool, Connor? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm taking a shot out of Ugga's mouth of an ice sculpture of Ugga, hands down, every single time. Have you ever purchased, or have you ever been in a situation where somebody around you has purchased an ice sculpture and also, follow up. Do you think you will ever be in a situation in your life where you'll do like what Andy did to make Angela feel better and purchase an ice sculpture? I see. I mean, I don't know. Allie's fancy as as f. I mean, she's really fancy. Um, I've never purchased one. I tried to steal one in college one time. That's a story we're not going to share right now. Um, oh but yeah. So this is funny. I want to give a shout out to our buddy Pat Brown that I, I brought this up with before. I, so I didn't mean to do this, but like several people thought that I was in Athens this weekend. Oh. Like, except, like we joked around about like people are gonna think you're a UGA fan. No, people just thought like Chris Gordy, our buddy Chris Gordy, brought us on and he was or brought me on on Friday and he was like, Marler, how's Athens, dude? It looks like it's you're having a blast." And I was like, "I'm not in Athens. I'm just I'm just posting <laughs> on my favorite videos from Athens. I'm just in Atlanta." Yeah, but Pat Brown, he sent me he sent me a tweet. He goes, "Hey, are you downtown?" And I was like, "Dude, I'm in Johns Creek. Like, what is going on?" And he was like, oh, damn, I was hoping you'd come by this, this tailgate and, and do one of these. And he was at the tailgate and sent me a video of him doing a shot from, the, uh, from UGA. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, I would 100%. I don't, I don't know. I'd rather get a nacho cheese fountain. But, I, yeah, it's got seven kinds of cheeses. Gouda. Hey, Gouda. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's do these five-star reviews. I like a little buffalo mozzarella. What is that? I last week. <laughs> Oh, man, buffalo mozzarella is so good. It's my favorite cheese in the world. It was uh, unbelievable when we had it uh, uh, in Italy when we were there a couple years ago. Fun fact. Let's end with some five-star reviews. We've got some good Cow! ones, some really good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, go back to bed. Okay, so, so, back to no. bed. Uh, this first one is from Iglesias. Iglesias? Okay. Subject, fleece it out. Love I love the show and the banter that is on it, keeping me up to date with everything happening in the SEC. I've only been subscribed for about four weeks, and it's been great. Keep up the good job and the office references. Awesome. That we will do, no doubt about it. Uh, this one's from Caleb Kennedy. That's right. I've got the five-star reviews open, sir. 
Um, oh. Hey guys, Gator slash Hog fan here. Don't ask, LOL. Started listening to you guys this offseason. I've tuned in every time a new episode drops. Making delivering pizza for Donald's a little bit easier. Keep up the great work. Woo Pig Gators. Guys, I appreciate that. There's there's like, I love when we get the the the, the messages from people that say like they're on their way to work or they're at work listening to us, yep. like helping us, helping them get through the day because man, we all need a little help to get through that. It's, it's, it's That's tough. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> this, this one is from Zanarian, and I feel inclined to read this. Subject, just moved from SoundCloud to, SoundCloud to Apple Podcasts. All right. Thank you for sharing that in the subject line. Appreciate that. Nobody. Bop, bop, bop. Connor, a little peel behind the onion here. <laughs> Connor does like to say that. We're going to be getting a, a, a true peel behind the onion from the SEC Network crew in Charlotte next week. So we're going to have brace for it. I'm sorry, uh, what Zanarian. I'm going to have a whole lot of peel behind the onion references oh my God. next week for our Good podcast. Good thing you don't check so. the Facebook group because that, that was another topic of conversation. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, this is from Paul Feinbaum. Thank you, Paul. First oh, up, nice. also, actually, we'll talk about that later. Uh, great SEC content. says, great gambling info. And I meant to write this down before we got on here. Damn it. Uh, he says, please reduce the number of times you use the word like. You're too smart for that much verbal filter. And you're right. That filler. F- filler. Oh, yeah, filler. Yeah. Obviously, maybe I'm not, I can't read, so that's... Um, no, I mean, you're. yeah, you're right. I, I, I don't know why I do that so much. It is annoying. I apologize. I do that a lot, too. I do that, Well, too. I mean, you're it's, the smart one, though, so I don't think he's talking about you. I think it's yeah, both of us. Clay Lawrence says, this truly is a magical podcast. Magical was capitalized, yeah, by like the way. That. So, a lot of emphasis on magical. I do lawn care when I'm not in school, and listening to this podcast makes time fly. Although I am 17, I feel enlightened to the correct <laughs> alcohol choices, thanks to y'all. Also, the FSU meme about the kids' lemonade sale was the best meme of the year so far. Thank you, Clay Lawrence. Clay. Brother of Trevor Lawrence. If your parents, yeah, Clay Lawrence sounds like he should be famous. Um, if your parents are listening, I'm sorry. That is, that is not. I did not mean to get you hopped up on the, on the loose juice. This early. Um, all right, let's do this one and close it out, right? Yeah, we'll save we'll save two more for for uh, for our midweek. Okay, um, it might not mean too much. This is from Rye Buckner. It says as a guy who was born and raised in Jacksonville, uh, it, and is also a diehard UGA fan. I've been hated most of my life here by ignorant Florida fans. They're everywhere. Okay, that, he doesn't mean that. Uh, the love hasn't been around until I found this podcast. Now I feel like I belong. You got Connor, who keeps the wheels churning and brings great insight and analysis at week after week. I'm worried about this next sentence. He's regarded as the more serious of the two hosts. But I tell you what, he usually comes in with a backdoor cover and cracks me up every week. Then there's Boom. Chris. Oh, God. Oh, good. The dude is gold. All right. There's not a more dynamic character in the college football podcast world? You'd think I'd wow. hate the dude after the last couple years, second 26-2018 championship, but I can't hate him. These two have been a big part of my everyday life, and it's because of their knowledge of the game, passion for the SEC, and the humor that bounced it all out. I have goosebumps right now. Here to you guys. Bottle of Texas Pete. Cheers. It might not mean too much, Go Dogs. God dang, Rye Buckner. Thank I I legitimately that's that's like a, that is an incredibly nice thing. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. We really do. This has been like all jokes aside, like trying to recover from this stupid stomach issue uh, over the past couple weeks. It's this has been it's it's meant a lot because I haven't been able to do anything extracurricular to make myself feel better like exercise. It's meant a lot, you guys, like being so nice and and uh, and caring and, and vocal about about the podcast. So thank you for that. Thank 
thank you to everybody who has sent us a, a five-star review and has been following along with our content posting in the Facebook group. Make sure that if you're not in the Facebook group yet, you go join Saturday Down South Podcast on Facebook. Make sure you follow us on all forms of social media. On Twitter, we have just been, it's been fire. You, Marler, you have Thank been you, on an absolute roll. I will never, ever deny that. You are also at Vern Funquist. I am at CJ O'Gara, at the SDS Pod. We're going to hopefully have, I can't announce our guest yet. Maybe it's going to be Feinbaum, maybe it's going to be somebody else. We're just going to say, I'm just going to will Feinbaum into existence every single week. But TBD, his schedule got really busy last week, and he wasn't able to, to come on Wednesday. Hopefully we'll get him on very, very soon. Marler, Cocho, is Cocho still sleeping? He's, he's not. I'm not waking him up. He threw a shoe at me. Who throws a shoe, Connor? Honestly. It might mean too much, guys. We'll see you all next week.